This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. Twelve fifty WGAM Manchester WGHM Nashua. like contraption that is over here on the Green Bay sideline. Uh, I'm not sure what exactly is going on in there, if he's receiving treatment, if he's using the bathroom. Uh, it's just unclear at this point, but uh, he went in there a couple of minutes ago uh, and has yet to come out. So. And how do you react? How do you handle it? And for me, I felt like, hey, going to the Patriots was going to be a dream come true. Play under Tom Brady, and then when he retires, we'll go play for Belichick and win a bunch of Super Bowls. And, you know, that was my goal. That's what I thought was going to happen. Ah, rainy Tuesday here in the Nashua area. I figured why not wake you up with little mighty, mighty Bostons to open up the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards. Thanks to uh, Christian and King for the crossover there. And uh, do you think I look look astute today? The... The sweater and, and the suit. Well, and now the I took coat. that off. Yeah, now, you, now you look. Yeah, right. now you look like Mark. Before right, you came in, you would look like. Well, I had a, I had a funeral. You yeah, know, that I, I had to go you. to, yep. so I, I, I had to make a quick appearance over at a funeral. So, but I, it, yeah, I guess I looked a little more college like professor like a, uh, a psych teacher when you walked in. Oh yeah, yeah, you look uh, yeah, English psych. You know, something something along okay. those lines. All right, but now you look you look back to normal. I'm Robin Williams. Yes. Yes. Goodwill Hunting, like Christian said. Anyhow. You, they can't tell anyways because this is radio. That's the beauty of radio. The face for radio. Yeah, yes. there we go. There we <laughs> go. But uh, So there's Tim Tebow on the way in there. You heard him there telling what he he had envisioned when he arrived in New England. <laughs> now, now Tim Tebow is very Christian, right? Uh, yeah. Very I, religious. I, I think so. I, I, I think that would be, he, be correct. He likely does not partake in any recreational drugs. No. Does not drink. No. But he sounded like he did. Because that is the only explanation for that comment, that he thought he was going to be the successor to he Tom Brady he he was going and to win a bunch successor. of Super Bowls here in New England. Yes. I mean— I, I, Absurd. <laughs> the only things that could explain that is if somebody either roofed his drink, his water, or Coca-Cola. Yeah, whatever he drinks. Prob- yeah. Probably, like, sparkling water. I'm thinking Fanta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
just I don't know why that came to my head, but I'm thinking <laughs> Tim Tebow drinks Fanta. <laughs> Do you know what Fanta is? Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's a little little before your age. Yes, yes. All I right. Know what so somebody roofed his Fanta is is the conclusion we're coming to here in the stretch <laughs> run that made Tim Tebow think that he was the He's, he, the second he, coming of the Messiah. Like, like he's going <laughs> to succeed the Messiah of like, quarterback. Like he sucked. Like he. I don't think he. I don't think he understood the fact that he couldn't throw the ball more than twenty yards downfield. His like, religious transgression. Like, <laughs> I am succeeding the Messiah oh here. Oh my God. He I, sucked. He was bad. Like, he didn't get that. Jesus Brady. <laughs> like he. He literally doesn't understand that he's bad. Like he doesn't understand that he. He was. A, he was a terrible quarterback. He had a great college career. Awesome. Won a bunch of games. Good guy. Nice great guy. Yes, by fan, all accounts. Fantastic guy. You can't. You suck. By all you're, accounts. Ter- you're a terrible quarterback. See, Sorry. I still, I still believe it's all a mirage. I, I believe really? it's all a facade. I, I, I think th- th- there's nobody when, when when you see like you know somebody like that who just seems so perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's got to be something. There's no, got to be something. There's, there's something. <laughs> there's something hiding there. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. It just has to be. So maybe we'll come to uh, find out what exactly made him think that. But man. That's some that's some comical stuff to start the show off with. But uh, plenty of Patriots talk. As you heard, Marcus Cannon just signs a five-year extension. Five years. With the New England Patriots. I have no problem with it. I, I, I think the offensive line is, for this team over the last ten years, has been their Achilles heel. It has been the reasons why they haven't won the Super Bowl when they should have maybe. I'm not, I don't know if you could say should have, but yeah, had a very yes, good, good chance, chance yes. of winning and, and were likely to win it. The Giants games, that's yes. all you got to go to. Those specifically, and like Christian said, the Denver Broncos games. Yes. Um, <laughs> our buddies are <laughs> yeah, here next yeah. door. Yep. We got the, uh, the, the Spanish soccer broadcast. I love it. Yes. Here cool. we go. By the way, <laughs> tragic news there, huh? Uh, yeah. Columbia. Yep. Wow. Uh, wow. Unbelievable. It's amazing it doesn't happen more often. Yeah. Let's get back on a positive <laughs> note, but, you know, thoughts and prayers to them. Uh, and, of course, by the way, uh, the Ohio State incident yesterday, I found out I had a friend there. Really? And, yeah, she works. I forgot that she works. I didn't know she was on campus. I knew she worked for Ohio More State, yeah. but I thought she worked in downtown Columbus. She's actually on campus. Said it was some uh, really scary, crazy stuff. So glad overall that could have been a lot worse. Yes. And for anyone, I've seen plenty of this on Twitter. Two things I, I want to just rant quickly, and then we'll get into bat because I'm trying to keep it as positive as yes. possible here because it is just horrendous. Out. It, <laughs> yeah. It's so dreary out right now. It's been dark since about nine a.m. this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's just and it's it's kind of that borderline water ice. I'm yeah, a little yeah. nervous driving around, and so I want to keep it positive today. But you know, look, I don't understand why it's an issue or it's it's. It's wrong to call the policeman who shot and killed was clearly a terrorist. Yes. Okay? And that will segue into my second rant here. Why, why is it wrong to call him a hero? Because a lot of people have problems with that, that terminology yeah, in describing yeah, him it, yesterday. It's because not, it's from not all accounts, yeah, it's not, he saved it's not. a lot of lives. That yes. could have been a lot worse. And it was, it was dealt with promptly. He was on the scene right away. Told the guy to drop. He didn't obey. He asked Commands, him three times. Yes. What is he supposed to do there? Is he supposed to go up and like kind of pat him on the yeah, back, calm give down? Him a hug, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Come on, come on. You know, it's 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 going to be okay. What what's wrong with our society that they're so yeah, PC? I don't, I don't have a. And this, I don't have and this segues it. into the whole thing. Yes, the man went on Facebook 
before he went over there, okay? Nobody planted that on his Facebook page. He went yeah. on Facebook and, and preached jihad yeah. and then acted on it. So he's a terrorist. That's it. That's it. That's all. Much, it yeah. shouldn't be like this big complicated thing. Well, that means you're calling all Muslims terrorists. No. No, I'm no. calling him a terrorist. No, it's pretty cut and dry. I don't care if he was Irish, American, white like me. I don't care if he, yeah. what if he's orange, if he's red. I don't care what his nationality is. He preached jihad and acted on it. Period. End of story. And that's the end of story. Pretty, like, cut, pretty cut and dry. So, so why is this world so hung up on on terminal? Oh well, that you're just you want all Muslims out like uh, like Trump and all this. No, 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 no. It's not exactly what that means. No. But I'm not going to lie and sit here and say I'm not I'm, I'm not happy that the situation was resolved. I mean, I wish she didn't have to die, but yeah, it, it's not going to like I'm not going to shed a tear over him. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're you're allowed to call people who put their lives at risk to save us heroes. Like that's yeah. that's a thing. Like that you're allowed to do that. I mean, Justin, if I go out right now, okay, I drive down the street, and and I I drive into a a, a big parking lot full of people Christmas shopping yes. right now. And I down start mowing spot. them down yeah. with my car, all right? And, and, and then earlier in the day, I was on the radio preaching against the government and preaching yeah, against Americans and, 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 you know, saying I'm going to do this. Well, then, yeah, I yeah. should be looked at as a terrorist. Yes. It's, it's very cut and dry. And the, everything's coming out now, and that's what, that's what it's leading to. It's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry what's going on here. Now. So why, so why if, is it a big If somebody to was that? to say, oh, that guy that ran down those people, he must have been, he must have been a Muslim. Then I get yeah, where they're coming from. Little, I get that that's, that's stereotyping. That's yes. That's fine. But to say he's a terrorist when the facts has nothing are there. to do with yeah. nationality. Yeah. Nothing in my eyes. It yeah. has nothing to do with nationality. He committed an act of terror, period. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. It's, it's very, and I don't. I want to get to polit- you know political stuff on the show. You know, I don't like that. But I, I kept hearing it on the radio. I kept seeing it on Twitter all day. Sometimes you just got to you just got to let it out. You just got to talk all about right. it. So that's gone. Let's move on because <laughs> we got a great show, and uh, we're going to talk about Marcus Cannon and and this whole you know, I don't know. This is like the, the the theme of the day everywhere on Twitter, on Facebook, hmm. on all the airwaves. Gronk is done in New England. The Patriots want him out. They're going to trade him. Slow down. <laughs> Slow your roll. Oh, I love drama. I love I love Twitter. Actually, I should say I love. Twitter. Like, are we that bored? Yeah, we're that. We're literally that bored. Where it's say, you know what? Let me let me start something. Let me let me let me get something trending here, and let's see how far this goes. Yeah. Like, let's let's take this and see how far it goes. Yeah. All you got to do is mention Gronkowski and trade, and all of a sudden it blows up yeah. like it did today. Yeah. Now I don't I don't exactly disagree with the thought of it possibly happening down the road. But for them to bring it out right now when this is happening, like why? Like it's not I, gonna happen now. It's not absolutely not gonna happen now. If you get if he gets injured and he goes out for the rest of the year, okay, now we can talk about injury concerns, quote unquote. And even with injury concerns, I already have injury concerns. I'm still, I still I'm, don't think he's I'm still traded. not trading him. I'm still not yeah. trading him. He's the greatest tight end to ever play right now. Like that period. End of story. Now, Most talented will tight end I ever say, to play. Will I say that I think there there's a major issue, and I think it's true that his family Oh, God, is yeah. controlling They're whether he plays or not. Absolutely in there. Yeah. Yes. I, and I think that's something that needs to be addressed when you're considering giving him a long-term extension. Yes. Do you want to deal with that if you're the Patriots? If your management, your ownership of the Patriots, and you want to win Super Bowls, and, and he's a key part of that, you have to know that you can depend on him. That yeah. you, that you have to know that, you know, Papa Gronkowski isn't going to call in and say, hey, you know, he broke a fingernail. I don't think he should be out yeah. there. Yeah. It, it, it's... 
it's not good for the Gronkowski franchise. Yeah. You have to know that that's not going to be an issue all the time, and it has been an issue. And I think those are legitimate concerns. We'll talk to Chris Price of WEEI.com about that at 4.05 to lead off the second hour. Before that, as we do every Tuesday, we got you covered on college hockey, specifically UNH Wildcats hockey, here in the Granite State, uh, where your UNH Wildcats are coming off a 3-1 loss. Is that my computer? Yes, it is. I apologize. Uh, are coming off a 3-1 loss down in MSG to Cornell, but they are geared up for their rivalry weekend here. Uh, they'll host UNH will host UMaine Friday night at the Whittemore Center. It's whiteout night at the Wit. Mm. It's going to be a rocking atmosphere. They're looking forward to that. And then they'll head up to Orono, Maine and play the Black Bears again up there. So a big, big weekend for UNH hockey. We'll talk to head coach Dick Humilly about that when he joins us in the next segment. And then after that, we're going to talk to Bob Snow about all things college hockey as he joins us like he does every Tuesday at 340 p.m. here on the stretch run. Like I said, Chris Price at 4.05, and then a special treat for all you uh, pro hockey fans out mm. there. Actually, he can talk any hockey he wants. I mean, he's very well rehearsed yes. in, the, in any level of hockey. If you, I, I, I bet he could tell us the best peewee hockey player in New Hampshire. My... Y- <laughs> I mean, I, the guy I, literally studies the game I told 24-7. My, I told my friends that uh, he's coming on. He's our favorite hockey guy. I don't he, know why people don't like him. He's, he's like a walking encyclopedia he's our, hockey man. He is our favorite hockey guy and, because he can tell you every single junior hockey player and, ever. And the he we're discussing him. is a man that I think you, you've seen plenty of times on NBC Hockey broadcast. Absolutely. He is the man between the benches, NBC hockey analyst and TSN hockey analyst and a good friend of mine. I'm lucky enough to get to know him through the years in my business. Uh, Pierre McGuire will join us at 4.20 here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. So you want to tune in for that. Uh, we'll address some of the rumors flying around the NHL. Oh, by the way, you know, did we not say on this show two weeks ago that Dougie Hamilton was, uh, you know, maybe out there and they yeah. were listening to yeah, offers? I think I think that came up at some and point. And that is... What do you know? The biggest <laughs> trade room in the NHL today. Darren Drager, who's joined us on this yes. show, uh, is saying that the Leafs are very interested in, uh, in, in Dougie Hamilton and could be willing to trade William Nylander, hmm. uh, the son of former Boston Bruin, even though he's only here for three months, but he, he was good. <laughs> Michael Nylander, if you yes. remember back in, uh, I believe it was 2004, uh, he was on the Bruins. His son, William Nylander, is one of the best young and up-and-coming stars and apparently uh, there are rumors surrounding him and Dougie Hamilton and maybe a one-for-one swap between the Leafs and the Flames. So we'll see what Pierre thinks of that. We'll also get his take on the Panthers' uh, situation and, of course, what is going on with your Boston Bruins who are in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers. The Bruins go in with a 12-10-0 record, uh, take on the Flyers who are at 10-10-3 coming into this game. Flyers have been... Pretty much an enigma. Um, Bruins definitely have had much more consistency than them, have at least shown more positive signs than the Flyers. But it's always a tough place to go play down in what, – what do they call that place now? Hmm. I know it was oh. Wells Fargo when I, when I covered the Bruins for a while, and the Bruins played them in 2010 and 2011. Uh, when they, they blew the 3 nothing lead, and then they swept them in 2011, the year they won the Cup. It was Wells Fargo then. I, I do not know what it is now. I should know that. Yeah, it's Wells Fargo. Still. It is still Wells Fargo. It's still Wells Fargo. Okay. Yep. You never know. 
Justin. These arenas change yes. names so oh, yeah. often. Absolutely. You you can end you one one day you did, can be the New Orleans Arena, did the next you day know, you can be the Smoothie did, King. Did you know that Miami's football stadium is in uh, pro life? No. Oh yeah. Now. That is now the Hard Rocks at Miami Gardens Stadium. What? Why is that why is it why is it such a mouthful? Like why I don't get it. I don't get it. You can go one day. You can go be the New Orleans Arena. The next day, you can be the Smoothie King Arena. Yes, like Smoothie King Center. Sorry, the house is the Pelicans. Yes, awesome. <laughs> what? What? Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I wonder if T-Mobile Arena, where the Golden Knights of that Las yes. Vegas, if it will still be that by the time they start. It's going to be the Golden Knights season. Arena by the time we get there. I'm think I, I'm thinking some other things. But <laughs> we'll leave that alone. We'll leave that alone. Maybe we should have a whole segment dedicated to name arena. naming arenas. We'll give we'll give our own names to each arena <laughs> yeah. in the NHL based on the area. Yes, based on the area. I like that. All right, that's maybe actually, we'll do that later in the show cool because we have we have some open segments. That might be a the, cool segment. The final hour, but before we get to those open segments, we will also talk to Mick Collagio at five oh five about the Bruins and Flyers tonight, uh, and Patrick Gilroy will join us to recap the Celtics' win down in Miami. I want to ask him a little bit about Marcus Smart because it appears that Marcus Smart just wants a bullseye on his back for the refs. Yeah, uh, pu- publicly calling them out. Like like pulling a Jim Harbaugh, basically. It didn't, it didn't sound as it's bad. one thing when you're a coach. You know, when you're the player that's going to be yeah. out there playing. It, yeah. It's not smart. It does, it does, no yeah. pun intended. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't look right. You know? Or very much intended. You know? But Marcus, not so smart, smart, <laughs> uh, needs to can it, in my opinion. And I think he can be a very— he's a spark plug, but he, he's, he's, he's got to shut up. He's sometimes. a very big part of that team, and, uh, but that was not—we're going to keep punning here. <laughs> not not smart. smart. All right, so uh, get smart. Mark is smart. Uh, we'll talk to Patrick Gilroy of ESPN New Hampshire about that. So jam-packed show here, Justin. And um, As usual. Yeah. It was fun. And uh, it's always fun putting these shows together when they come together with the guest list. And Pierre and I, I, I showed you yesterday, we had been texting back and forth on the Florida situation. I said, well, why not have him come on the show? Yeah. And he immediately got back to me. He said, call me at 420. Yep. And there we go. Yeah, that's part of That's really, that's... My group of friends, we have a, I have a friend named Pierre. So, oh, nice. So we have, you know, taken this well, photo. Hello to Pierre and uh, Justin's friends. I we, hope you're listening. We've, we've taken this photo multiple times and put him inside the glass as Pierre McGuire. <laughs> so that's it's one of our it's one of our favorite things to do. We have taken you know unflattering pictures of him and put him inside the glass. So they're definitely listening. They're enjoying this right now. They'll, they'll that's be good fun. stuff, man. That's good stuff. Yeah, Pierre is. Uh, I mean, not all of them I could tell on the radio, <laughs> but he's got some great hockey stories. Just the situations he's been in. I mean, you got to remember he was an assistant coach under Scotty Bowman. Yeah. Uh, when the Penguins won the the back to uh, back to back cups, actually, he was originally under um, what's his name that died there. God, hell, I shouldn't be forgetting his name there. Johnson. I think it was Johnson. How can I forget the coach? that was in 90, 1991. He died of cancer. Bob Badger Johnson, I believe, is his name. He's from Wisconsin, obviously. The Badgers. Let's see if I'm right on that. 1991, he was a 90-91 coach, and then he passed of cancer, and Scotty Bowman took over. Pierre was on both staffs, though. Huh. I'll find it. Let me see. But anyhow, Pierre's got a lot of experience in the game. Uh, his kids play. He's connected yeah, Bob at Johnson. The, he's connected at the amateur. There you go. Bob Badger Johnson, man. Yeah. He was a man who coined the phrase, it's a beautiful day for hockey. Yeah. <laughs> If you go into Pittsburgh in the arena, that's yeah, up there. It's on right the, up there. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So listen, we got a great show in store. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some UNH Wildcats hockey as they get ready for the big 
back-to-back showdowns with their arch rival, the Humane Black Bears. Big one. First one at the Wit, second one up in Orono. We'll talk to head coach Dickie Milley when we get back here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. Go digital with ESPN New Hampshire. Follow us on TuneIn. And welcome back to the stretcher on here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. And as we do every time on a Tuesday, every week at this time on a Tuesday, I mean to say, we welcome on UNH Wildcats hockey head coach Dickie Milley joining us right now. Coach, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? Not bad at all, not bad at all. Coach, uh, before we look ahead to the big weekend tilts against UMaine, uh, let's just look back quickly on the 3-1 loss uh, against Cornell MSG. First off, uh, how was the experience for you and, and the boys uh, down in New York City and, and, and playing in the, uh, the world's most famous arena? I'll tell you what, Jimmy. It was, uh, it was a great experience uh, for everybody involved. Uh, the atmosphere was uh, exceptional. It was, uh, it was real exciting. Uh, they had a great turnout, uh, you know, over 10,000 people, and it might even have been closer to 12. Um, they had a Great turnout by uh, Cornell, and uh, it was a heck of a hockey game. And unfortunately, you know, we lost. Uh, but it was uh, a game that was uh, went back and forth. We missed our opportunity, and uh, they made their opportunity on a penalty shot count. And basically, that was uh, the difference in the game. Coach, uh, you know, I know it's nothing new to you to play in an NHL arena like that. You, you get to play in TD Garden every year, and in the Hockey East uh, playoffs and championships sometimes. But, you know, and you've played in other ones, you've been in other ones. But, I mean, sometimes do you catch yourself kind of taking a moment to soak it all in? And, and, and maybe do you ever see the players' eyes maybe that they light up when they, they first go out there and they look up at the banners? You ever catch a moment like that? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we're playing uh, in, in, in arenas, NHL arenas, uh, the New York Rangers, uh, as you mentioned, uh, some of the great names that played there, you know, we were right in, uh, right there at Madison Square Garden. Our hotel was across the street. The excitement, uh, the people, everything about it was uh, tremendous. The excitement, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, has that, have that aspirations to play in the National Hockey League. So, you know, being there in that building, uh, we got treated uh, very, very well by everybody involved with uh, MSG and. Uh, and you play a, a team like Cornell has great tradition. They had a great turnout, and uh, it was it was tournament atmosphere. And uh, our guys, uh, I thought, competed competed well, played hard. Uh, as I mentioned, it was uh, we had an opportunity to win it. We didn't, um, but uh, the the experience uh, I believe will make us a, a better team. And hopefully, as I told the team at the end, uh, we'll play again in in in, uh, in the Garden, meaning 
the Boston Garden, and that means we'll be playing for the Hockey's uh, playoff championship. Now, you know, obviously, like you said, you lost there, but it's a great experience, and it can also be a good experience um, for the young kids, for the freshmen. You've got a lot of young players on your team there, and it looks like uh, from one of them, the, the pressure, the atmosphere didn't phase him at all. He got the only goal for you, and that's Patrick Grasso. Uh, in the 3-1 loss there, and he leads all freshmen nationally now with 11 goals. Um, just talk about the, the continued progress he makes and how he seems to uh, do something better every week. Yeah, he's he's a terrific hockey player, Jimmy, and, uh, you know, it was really a play that, uh, you know, it was a, a breakout play, but once he got the puck at uh, center ice, uh, he even went down on the ice, maintained possession of the puck, made the play, got the shot up, and uh, scored the first goal, and uh, you know he he does things like that. He's uh, that line that, again. It was our freshman line, and it did a good job. And uh, he has a history. His his uncle was Joe Mullen, one of the great American hockey players. Yeah, I know uh, Joe. You know, uh, that's his uh, that's his uncle. Wow. Uh, you know he's got a great history at Madison Square Garden, and uh, it was great to see uh, you know Patrick score the goal. And uh, you know his dad was involved in New York. He's uh, it, it was uh, great. That's awesome. Now, that's funny that that's his uncle. Now, I see, I'm looking at his background here. He was born in uh, Iowa, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think I might have said his dad, but I'm talking about his uncle. His uncle, uh, sorry. No, you said his uncle. That was my bad, yeah. Yep. Now, he's born in Iowa. Now, the, the, the USH, he played with Des Moines there. I'm wondering, yep. is, it, is the USHL um, produce, has it helped produce more players from that area, from that state? Because I know that league's been there for a while, but obviously it's gotten better over the years. But you don't hear of many hockey players from that state. Is that league starting to kind of help produce players in that area? Well, the, the junior, the, the USHL has uh, you know several teams in in Iowa, uh, and he happens to be from Des Moines, and so he played for the junior team. So instead of playing in high school, uh, he played uh, you know three years in the USHL wow. against uh, you know all the guys the junior league playing. Yeah. You know, you know, sixty, seventy games a year, and so he comes in very experienced playing against. Uh, uh, you know, older guys, uh, experienced hockey players, and and I believe that's uh, you know a, a big uh, reason why he's as uh, good as he is. He's a smart player. He's uh, learned how to play at that level, at that speed, uh, and he's brought it uh, to the the college level. Well, that's I didn't even realize they were doing that. Now that, the, that some of these kids yep. that locally, that's a that's a great idea too. You're right. You get that experience, kind of like the the players in Finland there when they're playing in that elite league. I mean. You got those kids well, like Patrick Lane. You got to be good enough to play in, right. in the USHL, and he he was as a high school age uh, player, so he gets credit for uh, being that good that he could, you know, his early years in high yeah. school he could play at that level. But what an experience for his development. That's I mean that's awesome. Like and it, like you said, you're playing with older kids. That's going to toughen you up. It's gonna it's gonna help you, um, you know, be more durable and, and ex- experience a longer season like that. So that's that's a great development. Uh, stage that he had there. Um, you look now ahead to this weekend against UMaine. It's always fun to play them. It's a great rivalry there. Uh, the wit's going to be uh, covered in white. It's whiteout night at the wit on Friday. How excited are the guys for the game? Well, we know how the excitement is uh, building up this week in uh, preparation for Maine. It's it, it's a rivalry that takes the backseat to to no other in college hockey. Uh, uh, when UNH and Maine go at it, and uh, we happen to open up uh, with the whiteout here Friday. Uh, hopefully we can have success here Friday, and then we'll get on the bus and head on up to Orno and uh, play there Saturday night. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big weekend for us, the two big games in Hockey East. 
uh, as we head uh, close to uh, semester break. Do you guys have uh, some for that weekend when you guys do that every year? Did you have like alumni come back sometimes that took part in the rivalry before? Yeah, guys are local. I mean, there's, there's enough guys that are in the area that'll be here. We obviously it's a great turnout. And, uh, you know, here with the with the whiteout and the students really support it. Uh, hopefully, the community will as well. But the, the, the students have been great here. It's, uh, it's a fabulous atmosphere. Uh, you can forget what records each team have uh, going into that weekend series. It's, it's all about the, that game and uh, you know the, the two games that we'll play over the weekend. Awesome. And then uh, finally, I noticed that uh, uh, Kelleher finished the month with 15 points, four goals, and 11 assists. Uh, he's definitely been a key cog for you as well, huh? No doubt. I mean, Tyler's had a, a great first half. Uh, hopefully he continues and has a great weekend. Uh, but he's he's done a lot for us. He's made a lot of great plays. And, uh, you know, he's been player of the month. Uh, he, he's had a great first half. Awesome. Well, listen, Coach, we wish you the best of luck uh, over the weekend. Uh, hopefully you can sweep the set there and enjoy the environment, all right? All right, thanks. Appreciate it, Jay. All right, that's head coach Dick Humilly of UNH Wildcats Hockey joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. And uh, if you're if you're around this weekend, you want to see some good hockey, you should see if you still get tickets. I mean, that's that's always a fun night. I remember watching back in the days of uh, you know Jason Krug and uh, or Krog, and uh, and then of course uh, you know when Career was playing at UMaine. I mean, there's some legends that have played in this rivalry. It's a big night. Buddy. It's it's a big night. Yeah. It's a big night for everybody, you know. That's one of those you you want to be there. You absolutely got to be there. It's one of those you got to experience it. If you're from New Hampshire, if you've never been up there, you just get get the tickets. It's not like, you know, college hockey's my one of my favorite things because it's, you know, it's dirt cheap. It's dirt cheap. You can yep. go in and it's good hockey. It's quality hockey, you yeah. know. You've it's seen a lot of future I pros. Take, I take my nephews there all the time and it's it's more of a teaching thing for them. You know, they can sit there and watch yep. good hockey and learn from it. You know, yep. it's it's always awesome. And yeah. of course, a whiteout. It's just one. Of, it's the best night up there. Yeah. Absolutely, is the best night up there. No question about it. That's good stuff. Well, uh, you know, and this is why I wish they played the hockey East teams more, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you can get this more than once. You That's know? it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do we? Did we say it's no? Yeah, twice a year. Twice right? a year. Yeah. That's <laughs> pathetic. It's right there. This weekend. It's gone in one weekend. Yep. It's and it's one of the one of it, the craziest you know, atmospheres. Meet, you know, there. until they meet in the hockey yes, East playoffs, exactly. but still like. That's just it's one of the it's one of the best atmospheres. I mean, that's what you go to the Wit for too. Like that's what the Wintermore Center is all about. It's the yeah. atmosphere. It's the it's the student section. It's it's the rivalry. It's all of it. So to get up there for this, absolutely. If you get a chance to do it, you got to go do well, it. Check that out. That is uh, this Friday night at the Wit. They uh, they will play the UMaine Black Bears, and then they'll head up to Orono to play them again there, and that will be it. Like I said, until the, uh, at least the hockey's playoffs. So uh, get over there if you can. UNH Hockey, uh, it's, hey, you know what? For a year that they were, weren't really expecting a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's you been pretty exciting. They, these freshmen have been delivering. This Grasso kid is uh, he's nasty. <laughs> he's unreal. He's not even drafted yet either. He's unreal. See, I didn't realize that either, Justin, what he was saying about... Uh, Playing juniors? Yeah, in high school, because I had a friend who went out after high school, Chris Masters, and he ended up at BC. Um but he played when the USHL was first starting off. This is back, like, you know, 93, 94, yeah. 95, around there. He played for Dubuque. Um, but he did that like it was like a post-grad thing from high school. So he was like 19. You know, he graduated from Mattanon High in Cambridge, Mass. He went there. 
And that's how I thought they were still doing it. I didn't realize now. Oh yeah, if you're if you're good enough, that's a thing here. You know that I I know some kids who play juniors. That's why these kids. Are, yeah. Well, I know they do yeah. it around here in the, yeah. the Eastern Junior Hockey League and the yeah. Premier League, which Chris actually runs the Junior yeah. Bruins now. Um, but it's you know that's a big. It deal. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and that leagues. Go look at the track record of the kids oh, that yeah. are getting drafted in the last ten like years. You said it's experience. It. You play. You play basically a full season. He's against, playing against prospects. Against man. kids that are much bigger than you, taller than you. And, Maybe already and, drafted. And prospects, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, and that's that explains you why can, he's... You can only get better from doing that. He's now come in, and he's leading the nation in freshman Unreal. goal scoring with 11 goals. So uh, good good for him. Good for Patrick Carrasso and the UNH Wildcats. Good luck to them against UMaine this weekend. We'll continue to talk some college hockey in the next uh, segment as we welcome on Bob Snow, longtime NCAA hockey writer for NHL.com. So stay with us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Run with Jimmy Murphy weekdays from three to six right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Stelchik with Elise Jolly from Merrimack High School. Can you tell me a little bit about some of your activities at school? I am a part of the Merrimack Volleyball Select. I'm on the swim team and the track and field team in the spring. I do student council. What would you say the swim, lacrosse, basketball, track and field have in common? Anything? <laughs> the team atmosphere experiences you have with each team within and the sport you find between the team. What is it like to know that you're leaving your school, that you've been so involved in with your friends and all your activities, to know that you're going to be leaving that? Are you excited or are you nervous? Like, it's exciting to see what else the world has to offer and what else is out there. But at the same time, having to like leave your comfort zone and throwing yourself out there is a little nerve-wracking because you built so much. And like I'm going to be different to like... Elise, where are you looking at going to school? Playing volleyball at the University of Delaware in New York. So I'm really excited to be down there. I'm looking at maybe doing something on like biology and the biological sciences and and who would you say has influenced you the most in your academics i would say that my siblings i have both four older siblings and one of them my brother james has definitely led me to be who i am today um and tammy lambro because she has been there for me for the past five years that was elise jolly apple therapy student athlete of the month for october nominate your son or daughter sign up now at espnnhradio.com
With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gait video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers in all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Hey Chelsea, guess what? I found out my friend at school is going to be moving into a new house. Oh really? That's cool. Where is she moving to? They don't know yet. They're still looking. Do you think they'll ever be able to find a house? Oh sure. Especially if they go to see Daddy at Pinnacle Mortgage. Right, Isabel? That's right, Chelsea. They'll get low rates, great service, and many options to choose from. You see, Pinnacle Mortgage offers FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, and New Hampshire Housing first-time buyers programs. Right, Owen? That's right. So, Maddie, you should tell your friend's parents to go see Dad and the staff at Pinnacle Mortgage. Pinnacle Mortgage. Call 603-518-7900. Pinnacle Mortgage, 65 Market Street, Manchester, and online at PinnacleMTGCorp.com. Pinnacle Mortgage, NMLS, number 132-3739. Licensed by the New Hampshire Banking Department. Connecticut Mortgage Broker License number MB-132-3739. Main Loan Broker License number 132-3739. Kurt Stranson, NMLS number 22202. Equal housing opportunity. PinnacleMTGCorp.com. Have you suffered a motor vehicle injury and need professional assistance? Do you need a team that gets you back on track and taking the green? That team for you is Bardis Law. Bardis Law has three attorneys and two paralegals that can assist you if you've been injured in an accident. Athletes get injured on the field and on the track all the time. Routine injuries can be expected in sports. Accidents are not anticipated in everyday activities. If you get injured in a motor vehicle accident, call Bardis Law at 603-420-8588 or visit www.bardislaw.com. Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Find us all over the social media scene at ESPN New Hampshire. Let me tell you about a place somewhere up in New York way where the people are so gay, twisting the night away. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Justin Sullivan working the boards. Told you I'm trying to keep a little upbeat here. How can you go wrong with Sam Cooke? You know what I saw the other day in my turkey leftover coma? I was watching uh, Animal House and I said, hey, we have Bob Snow come on and talk college hockey every week. We should play some songs from the Animal House soundtrack. And uh, there you go. Sam Cooke was on that soundtrack. I'm sure he's seen that movie plenty of times. 
Bob, my man, or Otis, my man. How are you, Bob? Murph, my whole personality was born and bred at Animal House. <laughs> a classic, wasn't it? Oh, it sure was, I'd say. I don't know which team was better. I love the one though, where they thought they were going to have some action for the night, and all of a sudden they got burst into it by some other bees. <laughs> yeah. did, you, um, did you ever see they did like a, a, a documentary on it later on, and they did cuts and everything? And um, now I forget who the guy's name is in real life, but you know when they oh Otis Day, the guy they go in and they're Otis in Day, yeah, yeah, and they're in there and of course you know they're looking around <laughs> and it, they're, they're not exactly the same color as everybody else in the bar. You know? <laughs> they're like we know Otis, you know Otis, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so this guy was saying that he actually before the writer was saying I was he was actually in that similar situation in real life and that's where he got it from and then he incorporated it into the movie so. It was uh, it was classic, but it, what a great movie! And uh, it's gonna be. We just had uh, head coach Dick Millian from uh, UNH, and it's gonna be an Animal yeah. House at the Wit this uh, weekend. They're taking on UMaine uh, over in Durham on Friday, and then they uh, play them up in Orono on Saturday. And then, as we said, because they got it wrong in college hockey, that's it. These two arch rivals, they don't they don't play each other again until the yeah. the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Two and through, two and through. That's it. Sometimes. Sometimes they don't play the games at home. Is it Whiteout the Wit Friday night? The Whiteout at the Wit. Yep. Whiteout the Wit. Yeah, that's always that's the biggest. That's probably the biggest home game of the year. Whiteout the Wit. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I've been told by Justin here. He's been to it, so uh, it's going to be a cool environment there. Uh, Bob, how was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful, Murph. Spent with my daughter and friends, and then headed out the next day to Calgary, which is where I'm sitting right now during the show. Northern Alberta, uh, here in Calgary, going back to Boston tomorrow, but out to see my favorite son and the grandkids and daughter-in-law and had a great couple of days here. So you're out in Calgary. Interesting you should bring that up because I don't know if you've been online today. Uh, one Dougie Hamilton has uh, found his way into uh, the online rumor circles, huh? Well, you know, Dougie has been around the rumor circles the last several weeks, but the Flames just came back. I think it was a six-game road trip, and they took – Seven out of twelve points, I believe, mm-hmm. and I think Hamilton had seven or eight. Yeah, great trip the last couple of weeks. Yep, but uh, all of a sudden it's it's gaining some steam here to the point where uh, our colleague Darren Drager from TSN was contemplating what the. Uh, of course, you know he's on in TSN in Toronto, where it's you know a whole another level there, and they were contemplating uh, what it would take for the Leafs to uh, acquire young Dougie Hamilton, and they said uh, mm. it would be William Nylander. To start, uh, yeah. so you know, and I've had—I know, obviously, you, your son works with Calgary, so you can't really give us any information. But I will say, as I've said on this show before, I have a another source within the organization there who said to me two weeks ago that yes, of course, we're listening to offers. That's our job. Uh, but if anyone wants Dougie Hamilton, it's—they're going to have to knock knock our socks off. And I, I'm sure yeah. that's still the stance that the Flames have. Yeah, I think so. And I think the fact that I believe they moved Hamilton over with Mark Giordano to give him not only some more confidence, but maybe to improve some offense by the least by the Flames rather than the back end. So I don't see Hamilton going anywhere. I mean, T.J. Brody is struggling a bit. The Flames are struggling a bit. I don't think that they, they – obviously, I'm not privy to any inside information, but I don't think they make any major moves. I think it would be too big a disruption, especially with Johnny Gaudreau sitting on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Another probably four weeks, it sounds like four weeks. Before he comes back, so I think I think I think that Dougie Hamilton has been a great 
trade rumor um, kind of they've been able to inflame that over the last couple of years. No pun intended. Boston. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't I don't see him going anywhere. We're just full of puns on this show today, Justin. Now, you, you realize you just said they've been able to inflame that, right? I, I did say that, but I don't think <laughs> I knew you'd pick it up, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, before we leave the flames here, I saw that uh, a college hockey connection there. Mark Jankowski made his uh, season debut the other day on Long Island from he Providence College. Uh, Providence, Providence College probably played the national championship game two years ago, and he's finally getting his shot at the big. He's a, he, yeah, and he is a big boy. Uh, I, I think he's going to have some success there. I know that the Flames are excited about that. Hey, Bob, one of the things uh, we wanted to talk about, and I, I, I sent it your way over the holiday, um, it was in uh, Elliot Friedman's 30 Thoughts column, which I urge everyone to read. It usually comes out right about now, actually, every Tuesday, so I'm, I, I bet if you go to Sportsnet, you can find it. Um, but he discussed uh, a vision that Pat LaFontaine has um, about forming uh, a development league that involves uh, NHL prospect, you know, getting the NHL, the NHLPA, the CHL, NCAA, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey. Oh, looks like we lost Bob. Those phones are loving us today, huh? It was all the puns. Just knocked him right off the phone. But uh, we will get Bob back in a bit. So I'll tell the listeners, uh, anyhow, um, what they're thinking of doing here in the NHL is they want to form a draft that starts at 19 years old. A 19-year-old draft. This was what uh, Petloff, I mean, what uh, Elliot Friedman had to say last week. He said, there's been conversations about a 19-year-old draft that did not get as much attention as the Olympic conversations recently when the GMs and the league met uh, recent meetings uh, in New York and Toronto. Uh, but the conversation involves NHL, NHLPA, CHL, NCAA, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, and the USHL. Um, and what LaFontaine envisions is creating a North American... That's weird. Oh, he might be trying to call us. Uh, creating a North American development model that has the best 16-year-olds in an elite midget league, uh, the 17- to 19-year-olds in major junior, and the 20-year-olds either in the NCAA or playing professionally. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I, I'm just reading it to the listeners there, Bob. I know you checked it out there, and I just want to get your thoughts on, on LaFontaine's vision and, and if you think it would work. Well, first of all, Murph, obviously we're talking about three <coughs> huge stakeholders <coughs> in the U.S. and the, and the Canadian Development program. You're talking about CHL. You're talking about, you know, the uh, you've got you've got the tier two tier two juniors. You've got the tier one juniors, and of course you've got the university program, which is not the same as the NCA program in terms of caliber play in Canada. Then in the, in the U.S., of course, you've got U.S. Hockey League, uh, which is basically the same as tier one juniors in Canada, and you've got the NCA League, which is basically uh, its own entity. So I, I look at all of these three or four or even five powers trying to figure out how they could possibly merge on the same page. I think of all these recommendations, the two that make the most sense, because I'm really opposed to 16-year-olds playing with 20-year-olds, even though that's a big deal, you know, for the up-and-coming Sidney Crosby's and what used to be the Bobby Orr's, younger guys playing with the older guys. I still think 16-year-olds playing with 20-year-olds is, is too big a stretch. So I would be totally in favor of trying to create, if possible, you know, a North American 16-year-old, we'll call it an elite midget league. I think that would be huge. It would give the kids 
another year beyond the age of 15 to figure out what they're doing before they get to the 17, 18-year-old. I think that's a big jump, mm-hmm. you know, from 16 to 17. Uh, so having that 16-year-old league, I think, would be a huge plus uh, for the development of the elite players in the, in the, across the continent, meaning, of course, North America, United States, and Canada. <clears throat> the other thing he brought up, though, Bob, and I, this has always been something that I, I don't know if we're on the same page, but it, it, it kind of annoys me. I get it. I understand where they're coming from. But is will the NCAA decide to finally allow those who have played in the CHL to skate for their schools after their junior career is done? And for those that don't know, once you lace up your skates and you play one game of junior hockey in Canada, you can never play in college hockey. Where on the flip side, if you lace up your skates and you play for, say, Boston College, who it seems to happen to a lot, uh, you could play a season there and then head up and play in the juniors. And there's some that feel, you know, it's not fair to the colleges that they're getting robbed of all these good players. And also the players, want if they want to come, why shouldn't they be able to lace up uh, for the NCAA? It's one thing if they go to the pros and they play in the AHL or the NHL. Obviously, then they can't go and play college hockey. I get that. But, Bob, is, is this something you think the NCAA will ever consider and eventually change? Never. Ever, ever, never. And I'll tell you, Murph, I'll tell you why. Because I think the recruiting piece of that whole puzzle is significant. What it means basically is you're looking to recruit a guy who's going to commit to the NCAA. And, of course, we all know now that many of them don't commit beyond the second or third year because of the NHL collective bargaining agreement that gives the drafting team. They lose their rights to their college play by the time they graduate in August of their senior year. I don't see the NCAA giving that up. The other tidbit in there, Murph, just for our listeners, is that once a Tier 1 junior player skates up, laces up his skates for one game, he's automatically eligible for university or college tuition-free after his junior career as long as he doesn't sign a professional contract. Correct. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Um, the other thing, though, no, I, I don't, go I ahead. don't see it happening. I just, I just don't see the NCAA and, the, and, the, and the, we have to call it the Tier 1 junior because basically the other two don't have much to do with, with the NCAA. But the Tier 1 junior league, in Canada, and the NCAA have always been, oh. well, I'll tell you, they're Hatfields and McCoys in a diplomatic way, but they have, they have two to- totally opposite perspectives of protecting their turf. Yeah, it's true, and it, but it just seems like lately, I mean, the NCAA, there was a while they weren't losing as many, but now they're starting to lose them again, and like we mentioned, Boston College seems to really fall victim to that, where their players bolt for juniors uh, because the NHL clubs instruct them to that, that own their rights. Uh, but Nick Kiprios uh, had an interesting tidbit here, too, in that. I don't know if you saw it. He said, Nick Kiprios reported that USHL teams, which is the junior uh, league we were just uh, discussing with uh, Dick Umilly in the last segment because his uh, freshman star, Patrick Grasso, uh, played out in Des Moines. Um, yep. Nick Kiprio says that USHL teams may get a shot to compete against CHL clubs for the Memorial Club. I, I can't Memorial Cup. I can't see that happening. Um, but the the thought is that the NCAA and USHL have all, are so worried that American born players are going to jump to Canada. This would give them incentive to stay stateside. Is that something yeah, you, know, you could see happening? Yeah, and I, and I you know something. I think that's a great idea. I don't know that it would ever come down to the integration of USHL team with the CHL teams during the Memorial Cup playoffs. But maybe a small sidebar to that might be the that the, the uh, if you will, the champion or the Memorial Cup winner, maybe they play a best, you know, three out of five series 
with the winner of the USHL after both of those tournaments are over. I think that might be middle ground, at least to see what they look like in terms of their, their legitimate uh, leveling of the playing field. Yep. We'll see what happens. I, I mean, it, there's some interesting ideas there. I always like to see the uh, you know the powers that be tossing those ideas around and brainstorming. And hey, if we could ever get NCAA and uh, you know the CHL to work together at all, it would be great, Bob. Yeah, you know something. Just go, just to kind of recap this, I think the best the best option within all of these is to take some of the major decision making away at the age of 14 and 15. Let these kids have an elite midget league. I think that'd be tremendous to watch a 16-year-old team of players, such as the, the best of the best, playing within each other as opposed to opposed to each other at that age of 16. I think is a huge one. I hear you, Bob. Well, listen, before we let you go, were you uh, were you watching the Grey Cup on Sunday? I know there were probably a lot of upset uh, Calgarians uh, over the Stampeders' tough loss to the Red Blacks, huh? Murph, I'll tell you, I had never watched one CHL game until Sunday, and I watched the game start to finish, and couldn't believe the finish by the old Ottawa Red, Net, Red Blacks, I guess they're called. Yep. Uh, but they pulled it out in overtime and won it for the first time in 40 years. When you look at great stories, I guess his name is Burris. I forget the first name. but Yeah, Henry Burris. For, for Ottawa, it was just a tremendous story. Here's a guy, 41, playing hopefully his last game. He goes out the same way that Peyton Manning does in the same year. So hopefully the folks south of the border – Got to see some pretty good football north of the border. The rules are a little, little crazy, but they're, they're entertaining as you get as you watch the game as it moves along. It's got a little feel of college football, I think. It, you know, it, it does. It does. The, the three down rule is tough though, because by the time you crack a beer, they're already punting the ball. <laughs> and the whole goalpost on the front of the end zone is kind of <laughs> weird too. You think you've had too many beers when you see that. You're like, oh, what's going on here? Anyhow, but, listen. But, if you have a widescreen TV, it's never wide enough to figure out 110 yards by 55, I think. <laughs> yeah, I went to a few games in Montreal, the Alouettes games. They were fun. But, uh, uh, hey, my friend, uh, safe travels back here. Hope to see you around the rinks and uh, tell Chris I said hello, all right? I will, buddy. We'll see you next week back in Boston on Tuesday. All right. And, uh, hey, here's a little shambling and ding-dong for you, Bob. I know you danced. I love it. You, you, you had all the girls dancing with you to this. I know it. Three at a time, Rev. Three at a time. <laughs> All right, buddy. Enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the trip. That is Bob Snow joining us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. And uh, like I said, this is a college hockey segment. we got to play a little Animal House music. So here you go. A little Otis Day in the Nights for you as we go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Chris Price of WEI.com. We'll get the latest in the New England Patriots, including the five-year extension given to Marcus Cannon. Stay with us. Alabama, Alabama, ding dong, baby.